0: make a few corrections. Um, Margie made a couple of mistakes with the announcements and just need to correct one little one. The calculation, read that uh, that day that wasn't supposed to be announced actually is supposed to have a negative 10 after the equation, um, just in case you got that wrong. Um, It's actually not correct. I'm not sure where I'm going today. Um, It's been an interesting weekend, but let's have a go. Let's see where we end up. But we're going to look at John 9. So open up your scriptures to John 9 for me. (laughs) We just did some cleaning here. We just uh, baptized the uh, pulpit with the wine. I'll lick that later. Okay, John 9. We've been speaking for the last few were last term on the whole idea of going to the next level. I have no doubt that what God has been doing in my life, and I know in the life of many of you, that God is taking us to a different place, a different place in our relationship. For some of us, it might be a new place, for others, it might be revisiting a place where you used to be and you sort of move back. But I do sense that God has been wanting us as a church, but individually to go to a new place, to be free at a different level with him. And that's what we've been looking at as we've been going through the John's Gospel and today we come to chapter 9. Now this is the end of that particular theme. We're still going to keep on John, but over the next month we are, as Maggie said, coming into Global Vision. And we are looking at the theme, what on earth is God doing? Um, and looking and getting excited about seeing the kingdom of God actually here on earth today. And what God's doing with that. So we're pretty excited about bringing the speakers and the theme. But it's more than that. It's what the Spirit of God is going to bring to us. But today I want to open up the book of John. And before I do that, let's just, let's just pray because the Scripture is so powerful. And we want to honour the Word today. We want to honour what he, the Lord would say to us through His Word. Father God, thank you for your Word. Thank you for even the Scripture that was read out earlier by Kyla the power of that scripture. We thank you that you have given us the word for a purpose, for us to see you differently, to reveal who you are, not just in our head, but in our heart and in our spirit. And so we're asking, Holy Spirit, that you will take the words right now, as we just even read from Scripture, the powerful words that will go deep inside us, that would move mountains, that would change us internally, that would help us see life in a different way. I pray these things in your powerful name. Amen. Before we go into reading the scripture in John 9, let me give you some background. First of all, we know that around this time, Jesus is just um, being at the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Tents. Now, this was really, really important. This is a significant time. Jesus actually went a little bit later than his disciples because it was an important time and an important message. If you follow the feasts in the Bible, the feasts were significant because they didn't just remember the past, but it predicted the future. And so you had all these different feasts set up. The one that we all know about is the Passover, and then later on there was Pentecost, all of those were ushering in the very person and, um, of Jesus and later the Holy Spirit, but this particular one, the tent of t- the meeting, sorry, the feast of Tabernacles, was very significant because you see the whole idea was celebrating the tents or the tabernacles that were given back in the days of the Exodus, being the place of shelter, being the place of protection, being the place of supply. And you may remember in the beginning of John's Gospel where John actually says the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The Word there actually means tabernacle. So the Word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. So the Feast of Tabernacles was a significant thing that John wants to bring into his Gospel to tell us that Jesus, the Messiah isn't just a person or a rabbi, he actually comes as the shelter, as the provider, as the tabernacle. And at this tabernacle feast that Jesus was at, he revealed himself in another couple of ways. The one important one that I shared with you last week, or two weeks ago, was that he said, I am the living water. Now you remember, I told you we was going back to the, the well of Shalom, which was the living water, because it was a fresh spring, and they would pour that water out. They'd get a big jug, get some water from that spring, and they would pour it on a rock. And when they poured it on the rock, it was a sign of the living water that came out of the rock in the time of the Exodus. And as they were pouring it, and it was called living water, Jesus shouts out with a loud voice, I am the living water. And so you've got this whole thing where Jesus is proving to them that he is the very, the very essence of this feast. And so he comes to dwell with us. He's, he's, he's our tabernacle. He's the living water. And now we come to another very important part of the story. And it's where Jesus reveals himself as the light Again, part of the feast was they would light up these big lights in the temple that would shine out right across Jerusalem, as bright lights. The whole idea is that God led them with light. He led them through the wilderness at night with the massive light that shone above them, the fire from heaven. And Jesus here says, I am the light of the world. I am the one, if you follow me, will lead you through the pathways of life. I am the one that will lead you through to salvation. I am the one that will lead you through to your promise. So here we come to this story. Now, this story was extremely important too because of the Messianic um, miracles. If you were from the rabbi school, you would know that There were two types of miracles that were known, weren't common. The first one was the common miracle. Most rabbis quite often saw miracles happen. They did see people who were lame, walking. They did see miracles happen in those times. But not very many. There wasn't many. But there were three miracles that no rabbi could possibly do. And they were called the Messianic miracles. Miracles And these messianic miracles were the proof of who was the Messiah. So here are the three messianic miracles. The first one was the casting out of a mute demon. Now see, they, they saw demons cast out, but a mute one, that was tricky. Because you see, a mute one, what the rabbis would do if a person was uh, had, a, had a demon, for example, I won't point you out, but just say, um, Steve had a demon. And you would come along and you would ask the demon his name. And he would say, I'm legion, or I'm such and such. And then they would speak to him by name and call him out by name. Well, that's really tricky. if It's mute because you can't give him a name. And therefore, there's only one person who could possibly have called out a demon from a mute um, demon. And that would have to be God himself. That would have to be someone who is greater and more powerful. That would have to be the Messiah, the Christ, who we're expecting. See, it was a second miracle. The second miracle was that of leprosy. But not just any leprosy, a leprosy of a Jewish person. Because, see, a Jewish person, they'd never seen a Jew healed of leprosy. Now, leprosy, we know, was was such a bad thing then, it was really known as unclean. Um, You were cast out, you were cast out so you were never brought back. So to bring a Jewish person back, totally healed, there's only one person who could do that. That would have to be the Messiah. That would have to be the Christ. Then there was a third miracle. And this is the one we're going to read in a minute. The third miracle was that of seeing a blind man healed, but not just any blind man, a blind man who was blind from birth. Because if you were blind from birth, it would have had to have been your parents' fault. If you were born with a disability, the um, rabbiic theory was, if you were born with a disability, it was because your parents had sinned. So imagine that. So what did you do? What did you do? Your child's got to You must have done something. Maybe you were adulterous. Maybe you did something really bad because your child has a disability. That was their myth, that was their belief, that was their understanding. So the only way I could heal that, because it's the sins of the forefathers, the only way I could heal that is if you were the Christ, the Messiah. So when we read this, sometimes we give the rabbis and the teachers a bit of a hard trot, but really what they were doing was they were trying to prove they were looking for the Messiah. So every time Jesus did a messianic um, miracle, they wanted proof. They're looking for the proof. There was a fourth proof that Jesus was the Messiah. And this fourth one was the raising of a man from the dead. But it couldn't just be any man. It had to be someone who'd been dead for four days. The reason why it had to be four days is it had a belief that on the um, fourth day, or after three days, you actually went down to Hades, and that was it, and there was no way of coming back. So the only way you could come back is if it was the Messiah. And so when Jesus brought Lazarus back from the death, dead, that was the resurrection. So when he said, "I am the resurrection and the life," he's actually again saying. I am the Messiah. Jesus wants to tell us, he wants to tell the world, he wants to prove to the world that he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. So now we come into this great story. So I'm hoping that when you go home, you will read this with a different set of eyes, with that background and that understanding, because you'll see it differently. You'll see the words differently, and you'll see the actions very differently. Let's start... And I'm not going to do the whole lot because I'll run out of time, but I would love to do the whole lot. But we'll just go through to verse 17. So let's start. Are you ready? Good. Okay, you're ready. Here we go. John 9, verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Exodus 20 will tell you more about that. It was not because of this sin or his parents' sin, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Underline that. This was because it was set up. This is a setup because I'm going to prove that I am the Messiah. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Take that back to the tabernacle. Take it back to the feast, right? He said, I am the light of the world. I've got some work to do here, boys and girls. Let's get on with it. We're going to see this man healed. Then he spits on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the man, the blind man's eyes. I'm going to come back to that. That's an important part of the story. He told him, go, wash yourself in the pool of Shalom, the living water. Jesus said, I am the living water. Go and wash yourself in the living water. Okay, these little things, they all come together. Shalom means to be sent. So the men went and what man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who saw him, sorry, who knew him as a blind beggar, asked each other, Is this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, No, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, Yes, I am the same one. They asked, Who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Shalom and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now? they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, He put the mud on my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man, Jesus, he's not from God. He's not the Messiah. He's not the one, right? Why? For he is working on the Sabbath. He made mud on the Sabbath. That's working. Wasn't worried about the healing. They're worried about the mud. Others said, But how could any ordinary sinner do such a miraculous sign? That confuses them. So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, What's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. Yesterday, my fantastic wife, who did naughty things today, um, did a surprise. She took me on an amazing um, cruise down the river, a wine cruise, going down one of those Cook ones, Thomas Cook things. And we went down the river. And it was kind of funny, right? Because we're going down this river at a top speed of eight knots, which was pretty slow, and we're going down this river. But as we're going down slowly we're seeing things. I've lived here a long time, right? I won't tell you how long, um, but if you did that calculation and took a few off, it was about that long. So I've been WA for that long. We used to live in Bayswater, not far from the river, and we used to hang around at the river. I've been up the river and down the river on boats before, a lot faster than eight knots, um, but it's Going down the river at such a slow pace with somebody telling you all the things about the river and what's on the side, we saw it differently. And sometimes we need to get into a different position to see things. And even as you, you go up to different levels, you see things now, we have a problem possum in our house, and this possum is causing me a lot of stress. And so I constantly, if I hear it on the roof, I run out with my torch to find out where this possum is getting in my house. Now, this morning I was up early and I saw it, heard it run across the top. So I ran outside and I've got my torch and I can't actually see because it's on my roof. So I'm climbing on top of the camper. I nearly fell off and I've been, I've got to get higher to see. And sometimes when you're in a different position, when you're in a different place, you can see different things. And when we go to the next level with the Father God, when we go to the next level in relationship with anybody, you will see things differently. Husbands and wives, as you go to deeper and greater levels in your relationship, you see each other differently. Differently. And when we come to this story, I actually believe it's about this man being revealed to Christ. Unfortunately, the Pharisees were also trying to see Christ, but they couldn't see the Christ. There was too many things in the way. Anyone been to the uh, our our Brolles Islands? Anyone been to our Brolles Islands? No one. No one. Come on, someone's been up Geraldton to Islands. Come on, you have, hey. And there's a few wrecks up there, right? There's a few boats that didn't quite make it. There's some, Batavia is one, right? There's a few others up there. Well, the, anyone know where the Albronis, I found this out yesterday on the boat, where the Albronis Islands got its name from? What is it? Hello? Warning. Well, actually, I found out it was different to warning, but it's close. Come on, anybody, is got anything else? Well, you see, it was actually by the Portuguese, uh, from what I understand. So, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the school teacher. I'm not right, but from what I understand and what I read on Wikipedia, no, no, a few others as well. But what I read in the histories was that the uh, the captain who was Frederick D. Holman, something like that. Anyway, he he was the guy. 1619 was cruising around the top there, around Geraldton, navigating our our coastline. And they were going along, and they hit a bit of dirt. And when they hit the bit of dirt, so what I read was, when they hit the bit of dirt, obviously they realised there was an island there. And then they found out there was a lot of islands. So rather than mapping out the islands, on his map, he wrote the word, our, he wrote the word, brothers, which is, I'm trying to work out how he actually wrote it, which actually means, Open your eyes. That's what I've been told. You can check this out, Mr. Frank, okay? And you can correct me if I got 10 out of 10 or not. But open your eyes. And what he was trying to say, so when the other boats came along and they saw this written down there, and they said, well, this must be the name of the islands, but it was to open your eyes. We need to open our eyes to see what's around us. In fact, I've got a great place to open your eyes. If you ever go up to Broome, you go and sit at the port, Port Beach. It's a great place because it's where you take your boats out. And it's a great place because you can sit there and watch people who spent lots and lots and lots of money on very, very, very expensive boats get stuck on rocks. Because, see, what they do is they take off down the centre at high tide, Right? You can go anywhere at high tide because the water's really high, right? You can go to the left. You can go to the right. You don't have to worry about markers. You just get out there because the fish are waiting. But if you come back on low tide and you don't follow the markers, you're going to end up with a very expensive boat sitting on a rock. It looks interesting from the shore. It doesn't look so interesting from the boat because then you see the guys getting off the boat and they're trying to rock their boats off the rocks. You see... Sometimes, sometimes we have people who will come and talk to us about where what we need to do in life, but they're talking from high tide. But you see, the person that's been through low tides in life will know that under the surface, there are some things happening. And too often, I think, with our eyesight... And our visionary eyesight that we have inside our hearts, we're working from information from a different set of eyes. And God wants to give us a new eyesight. He wants us to open our eyes. Most people who have done any leadership would have read the proverb that says, um, Proverb twenty-nine, eighteen: where there is no vision, the people perish. But well, if you actually pull that part word, word that scripture apart, it basically says: without revelation, you're going to go around in circles. You're going to hit rocks, and God wants to give revelation. It's not just about setting a vision for your company or for your organisation. It's actually about revelation. If you read the whole context, it's about revelation from God. He wants to give you His set of eyes, so you can see things differently. And this scripture that we're talking about here was, one, to prove Jesus was the Messiah, but it was also about giving us a new vision, a new eyesight. It's about seeing things differently. Maybe in your world right now, things look a little bit difficult. Maybe in your world right now, things seem a little bit fuzzy. Maybe you've lost the excitement about your faith in Jesus because we haven't seen him like we used to. Maybe all we see is the list of jobs that we've got to do and not see Jesus anymore. Maybe our eyesight of him has been blinded by sometimes all the rules and the regulations and the, and the, the religion that we sometimes have put into our relationship with Jesus gets in the way to actually seeing him. Because Jesus said here in this scripture, if you go down to John nine thirty nine, he said at the end of this story, he said, For judgment I have come into this world. Why? So the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. That's a weird thing. But he's saying, I came into the world so that you could see. Jesus wants to give us all, I believe, as we grow in our relationship with him, as we go to the next level, that we will see things through his eyes. We will see things. He will help us see some of the issues that we've been going through from a different point of view. So I want to just come up quickly with three three things that I found out about this story as I looked through it. Number one, timing. Timing. It's the right timing. Timing. Timing is right for open eyes. You see, the story was that they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, who sinned here? What is the problem? What, who, who actually stopped this guy from seeing? Here's this question for you. What's actually sometimes stopped us from seeing God at work around this country? As we look at... Uh, as we look at the things that are happening in this world over the next month, as we look at the kingdom of God, sometimes we're blinded because we're so busy in our own little world. We're so busy in our own little circumstance. But it's timing for him to say, I want to open your eyes and see, see things differently. You see, they came to him and they said, oh, there must be sin in the way. And Jesus said this, he said, it's none of that. You got it wrong. It's not about his sin, but it's about that I may be glorified. I might be revealed. I might bring this fresh revelation of who I am. I wondered about that because I thought this poor guy, he's been blind since birth so that Jesus could use that to glorify himself. That seems unfair to me, right? But Jesus is saying this is this man's moment. This is this man's time to see me, to see the things that others are blind to, he is going to see today. See, it was perfect timing. It was his timing to see. And I want to suggest to you that God has a perfect time. See, sometimes we go through dark moments. We're on Struggle Street. We're going through those dark moments, those difficult times, and we're thinking, God, where are you? Well, let me tell you, sometimes it's in the valley that Jesus is the closest. We think that he's always there when we're up on the mountains, but sometimes it's through those dark times. When everybody else is telling you, well, this is the problem, and this is the sin, and this is how you've got to fix it, because I've been out there on high tide. But maybe you've never come in on low tide. Because when you come in on low tide, you want to make sure those markers, you've, you've got those markers, those navigational markers lined up so you know when they come in right. Because you don't have them lined up right, you're going to hit a bundy. And that bundy is going to make you shipwrecked. And yet Jesus says, I want you to come to me because there's a perfect timing to give you new sight. Some of you might remember the time you came to Jesus. Some of you haven't come to Jesus yet. Well, let me tell you, you come to Jesus, he will make you see the world totally different. You will see life different. Maybe right now all you can see is darkness. All you can see is problems. All you can see is you're tripping over all the time. All you can see, you you hear lots of voices, but you can't see where you're going. Let me tell you, Jesus came to give us sight, to give us Eyesight, to give us vision, to give us a new possibility. He wants to be the light that we would follow. He wants to bring new light. I believe that God has a certain timing. And for some of you, timing might be today. That maybe you're in a place where you're going, I just need a revelation of what's happening. I need that prophetic word. I want to be able to see differently. Because when you see differently, all of a sudden, life changes because not only is it time to see differently. I'm going to step down to here. Oh no, that's a problem. Ah, oh, it's okay, it's okay. It numbered it incorrectly. Yes, I can see. Hallelujah. Okay, open eyes leads. Sorry, obedience leads to open eyes. I thought it was kind of weird. Why did Jesus get mud and put onto the guy's eyes? There's lots of theories. There's lots of commentaries on this. Some say it was because he was showing that he was the creator and he was making uh, making things from the earth that would cause to heal. Well, there's some, could be some truth in that. Others were saying that, that he was... Um, that And I think this is probably more the, more the saying, he was actually stirring up the Pharisees because he was actually making mud on the Sabbath day, which you're not supposed to do. Because if you make mud, that's sinful. And he was down there spitting and making mud. It's also believed that spit or saliva was actually a good healing. They used to use it a lot for med- medication, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, that fixed that. So uh, it was, uh, they used to use slag for all sorts of stuff. So he's actually making this but he puts it on the guy's eyes. He then tells him to walk, which is probably about 750 metres, maybe a little bit more. We're not sure exactly where Jesus was, but probably about 750 metres. He had to walk. Where did he walk? He walked through the city. He walked through a busy city because it's the festival. Everyone's there. This blind man is walking through the city. And if you have a look at the track that he probably walked, he would have gone down steps. He would have had to walk through narrow pathways. And he was blind. He was blind and he was having to go through a tough journey to get to the water. He was blind and he had this stuff over his face where everybody was going, why has that guy got mud on his face? Well, what is he do- He's walking the streets with mud on his face. What is this happening here? And he walked all the way. Let me tell you, there was a few gossipings going on. Oh, it's that guy, Jesus, that reckoned he was the water. Um, he, he, he chucked mud on the guy's face really? Yeah, because he's going to heal him. Really? I'm going to follow this. And so there would have been a crowd following this man as he walks through the street, gathering momentum as he walks because everybody would have been talking because he's the blind man from birth. He's a sinner. He shouldn't be here. He cannot be set free. He cannot go into that water for, for cleansing because he is a sinner. There's no way out. And here he is walking through the streets, bringing attention to himself. He gets to the water. The, the pool at Shalom, and I think uh, John's been there, is still there today. And uh, there used to be a, um, a, uh, a, a balustrade down the center of it so that you walked in one side and you came out the other side. The reason being is you don't want to touch an unclean person walking into the pool because then if you're walking out and you touch someone as they're walking in, you've got to go back in again you are going to go back in again. So they separated them. So he's walking down one side into the water. Could you imagine what was happening amongst the streets? What's this blind man with mud on his face going to make the water dirty? He's walking into the water. He walks into the water, and what happens? I don't think he would have gone, oh, look, oh it's sunshine. I reckon he was doing a Say a Hallelujah on steroids. I reckon he was jumping up and down. I reckon there was a tidal wave happening in that pool. I reckon he was so excited. And everybody wouldn't have believed it. You see, sometimes God asks us to do strange things. He does. Like, why would I want to get baptized here in front of everybody? I don't know. Bible says, believe and be baptized. Wow, that seems really weird. What's going to happen? Just do it. And I tell you, there's a lot of people who have been baptised in front of people and have said, my goodness, I've seen things differently. Life's different. I know for me, my baptism was amazingly, um, an amazing encounter with God. I remember it very clearly at Bedford Park Baptist Church. And I was baptised, and, uh, and I remember I fumbled with my words, as I always do. But I remember that day very, very clearly. You see, obedience opens our eyes. And sometimes God asks us to do things because he wants to open your eyes. And no one else around you may know what you're doing. You've got to walk the tough streets. You've got to walk the streets of opposition. You've got to walk the streets of criticism. You've got to walk the streets that that are telling you you shouldn't be doing that. And lots of people will do that. But you've got to walk the streets to get to the pool. Because it's in the pool comes the healing. It's in the pool when new sight comes. And it's only afterwards where you can open your eyes and go, ah, so that's what God was doing. I didn't see that before and no one else will see it because it's yours. Just be obedient. You might have to walk some tough streets. You might trip over a few times. You might stumble down the steps. But keep walking the streets of obedience because you'll see things totally different. Don't listen to the voices that are telling you that's wrong. You're a sinner. Listen to the voice of God that says, put mud on your eyes. Let's get down to the pool and let's wash it off together because I want to give you new eyes. And this is the last thing that happened. And I love this bit. I love this little bit because I'll get the worship team up here because we're going to sing a hallelujah together. It says that Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the story is that... The Pharisees and the teachers and the rabbis at the time were trying to question this man. And they asked him, who did this? He says, I don't know. I was blind. I didn't see him. What's he look like? What do you think he looks like? I was blind. I didn't see him. I had to be 750 meters away. He was over there somewhere. I just had this guy, a prophet fella, that put this stuff on my eyes and now I can see. And they said, well, was you really blind? He said, I've been blind all my life. Of course I know I'm blind. So they went and checked out his parents. Do you think he was really blind? He says, look, this guy's old enough and ugly enough for himself. He, 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 can, he can give you the answers. You ask him. So they asked him again, and he said, listen, I don't know. Once I was blind, but now I see. And that is all we need to know. They said they were upset with that. They were upset with that. So what they do? They kicked him out of the, out of the synagogue. He said, go out. We we can't work this one out. He goes out and Jesus found out that he was on the outside. Let me tell you, if you feel lonely, if you feel like others aren't with you, don't worry. Get on the outside because Jesus is coming looking for you. He wants to come and look for you. Because he knows the experience that you've been through. He knows the new eyesight that he's given you. He knows that you can see differently now. He's taken you to a new level and he knows what that level is. So the world might not know, but he does. And it's you and him that's important. And so this man, Jesus finds out this man has kicked him out of the temple. Everyone's kicked him out of the temple. He's on his own with this amazing new eyesight that he's never used before. He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Because I haven't seen him. Because I was blind. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact he is the one speaking with you. The man said Lord I believe and I worship you. That man was in a new place of worship. You see, as we grow in our relationship with God, as we allow the tough stuff and sometimes the good stuff of life to take me through, and I see God differently, and I see God, God differently, you will come to a deeper place of worship. It's got nothing to do with the song. It's got nothing to do with with the style. It's got nothing to do with the volume. It's got nothing to do with the. It's all to do with your seeing Him. You see, that's what worship is. Is that we come to a place and we see Him. And you can't help but shout, hallelujah, hallelujah. Because in the hallelujahs where he breaks the chains, it's the hallelujahs where he takes you to greater places with him. My goodness, I, I, I think my time with God over the last six months has probably been the most amazing personal experience. I can't explain to anybody else, but it's been him and me. And it's in those places. But everybody else will want to tell you what's right and wrong. But he's the one who's saying, I set this up because I want you to see me. I want you. See, I think Jesus had his eyes set on the blind man to see him. Otherwise, Jesus would have just let it go. He didn't. He came back looking for him because he wanted that blind man to see him. Because he knew if the blind man saw him because of the journey that he's gone through, his life would change. And there's a world out here that needs to see lives transformed, because we've actually met Jesus and gone to a new level and got new eyes and seen Him in a new way. What are some of the things that hold us back from seeing Him? Maybe it's uh, maybe it's our old some some traditions that we've brought in. Maybe it's some beliefs that we've had that we were so certain were right but Jesus might say, come with me. I want to show you something different. Maybe it's religion. Maybe it's opinions of others. But let me tell you right now, it's the time to get our eyes opened. Now is the time to follow with obedience to that place where we'll see him differently. Now is the time to worship with a new set of eyes. Let's stand together with me. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. First of all, I want to say Jesus into the heavenly realms. I want to speak out right now and say, we believe that you are the Messiah, that you are the Christ, that you are the chosen one that you are our Saviour, that you are our Lord, that you died, that you rose again, that you are the resurrection and you are the life and you are the light and you are the bread of life. We believe that right now. And we want to ask, Lord God, right now in this place, would you give us a new set of eyes? Would you open my eyes that I might see Jesus. Open my eyes, Lord, that I might see Jesus and look full into your face. We want to see you, Lord Jesus, in a new way, above the circumstance, above our blindness, above our religion above our problems, above our business, above those relationships that aren't good. We want to see you, Jesus. Would you right now put that mud on our eyes, and we're going to wash our eyes in the living water, and we're going to come back, and we're going to look at you, and we're going to say, Jesus, I believe.